Good morning. Welcome to our Redeemer. Today is Reminiscere Sunday. That's a Latin word that means remember. And when in the scriptures people say, remember, Lord, or when we pray, remember us, Lord, it's not that we're trying to jog God's memory as if he could forget anything. Rather, that plea to remember is a plea that the Lord should take action and deliver us. And that is what our lessons today focus our attention on. Our service begins with... Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. When God closes a door, he opens a window. So the saying goes, but I submit to you that sometimes that's not at all what God does. Sometimes, first, he slams the door shut and bolts it. And then he boards the window up like a hurricane is coming. And it doesn't really appear that there's any way out. Sure, you might look around the room and notice a loose board over there, a crack of light coming through here, but nobody's about to wiggle through one of those spaces. And as evidence for this, I want you to just consider... What took place in the lives of some of God's saints? Some of the people that he singled out as being especially important to him, whose stories we have recorded for us on the pages of Scripture. Consider this. God singles out Noah. And where does Noah wind up but stuck in a boat floating over the wreckage of the entire world? God singles out Abraham and tells him it's time to leave everything he knows, house and home, to go wander with no permanent address and wait year after year after year for some some son that was supposedly going to come. And when that promised son finally arrives, then God turns around and tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. God singles out Jacob only so that he can find him when he's all alone in the dark and beat him up which is what we heard about in our first lesson today. God singles out Joseph, and Joseph dies twice, figuratively speaking, losing everything twice in the rotten filth of slavery and imprisonment. God singles out Job, and in what is surely one of the most terrifying passages in all of Scripture, he even gives the nod to go ahead with round two, as if it were not enough that Job had already lost all his wealth and all his children. Still, he's going to suffer even more. Just consider this, because this is the way that God treats his saints. It would seem to me that sometimes God asks of us the impossible. Follow me, he says. 
even though I will appear to you as your worst nightmare. And that, I think, is an apt description for the way that Jesus handled a Canaanite woman in the story that we heard about in our gospel today. Here is this woman, and she has a heart that is breaking because of her poor, sweet little daughter, the light of her life. But her daughter is not well. In fact, her daughter is suffering greatly, severely oppressed by a demon. This woman is powerless to do anything to help her. And you can hear all of a mother's emotion in that heart-wrenched cry. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. How cold would you have to be to ignore a plea like that, wrenched from the heart of this poor mother as it was? Well, that's what Jesus did. He answered her, not a single word. Even though she's asking nothing for herself and everything for her daughter, she knocks on heaven's door and heaven's door is slammed in her face. Think about that. And that's not all that this woman is going to endure, right? She keeps at it to the point where Jesus' disciples get so annoyed by her crying out after them that they go to Jesus and tell him to send her away. And because she sees that his lips are about to move, she strains her ears. And what is it that she overhears? I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This woman has stretched out her hand and asked the Lord to put good things in it, and her hand has been swatted away. The door was slammed shut. Now the window is boarded over and the nails are driven in. And yet, if she still had some sort of glimmer that things might just possibly be different a third time, if Jesus could just see her, and not overlook her. She gets right in front of him, kneels down before him, and just begs for help. And now what do we find? Jesus, the kind, compassionate, gentle Savior? Think again. Jesus no longer stonewalling her with silence, but Jesus who is combative or almost openly hostile towards her. It's not right to feed a dog like you. My friends, this is Jesus, our Savior, who bids us to come and follow him. Is he not asking the impossible of this woman? How is she supposed to go and follow after this man, impossibly hard and difficult as he is? And does God not ask the impossible of you? In those moments when you have things piling up one after another, nothing is going your way, and you long for just one little break, one tiny bit of relief, one thing, finally, to work out. But it doesn't. First, the refrigerator dies, and three days later, the dishwasher goes as well. First, you get diagnosed with cancer, and then the next day you discover you're about to lose your job. First, one bad thing, then another, and another, and another. Things pile up 
And meanwhile, what are you doing? You are pouring out your heart in anguished cries to God, and you are hearing silence from heaven in return. Meanwhile, you are straining your ears, hoping to overhear one of those promises that lands from God's word, a promise he has made to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. But but it seems the more you strain your ears, all you hear is about how God judges and condemns sin and sinners. And, And you maybe wonder if that's the reason why all of this is happening to you in the first place, because of your sins. Meanwhile, You're looking to God for help, and he's jumping you on the bank of the river Jabbok and giving you a beatdown like he once did to Jacob. This is the way that it often appears to us in our life, does it not? That God, who is supposed to be for us, turns out to be our adversary. You know what I mean. You feel it. You know that even on the happiest days you have here on this earth, there are still things that you wish would be different. And you know as well as I do that happiest days are not all that common. Many of our days, we feel the weight. We live in the gloomy twilight of a world that is broken, that where things do not go the way we want them to, where troubles pile up, and where our one source of hope appears to have set his face against us and forgotten about us altogether. In such moments, what do you do? Sometimes you run away from God. Sometimes you say, if this is the kind of God that he is, I don't want anything to do with him. I couldn't believe in a God who allows such things to happen to me in my life. Sometimes you grumble and complain and explain to God how much of a bad job he's doing at being God. Sometimes maybe you just grow numb and you turn into survival mode. But if that's the case, then I want you to consider what this Canaanite woman did, for she did none of those things. Instead, she picked up on the breadcrumb trail that Jesus had left her. And when I say crumb, I mean crumbs. She had precious little to go on. I would say she had much less to go on than you or I have to go on. And yet, what she had to go on, she was going to run with. And so, she reasoned like this. He didn't answer me a word, but that means that he didn't say no. He was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, sure, but he didn't do what his disciples asked and dismiss me. He used a rather insulting picture, yes, but I have seen that even dogs get to eat the scraps that fall from the table. In this great, incredible, truly astounding faith, she reasoned that if God had slammed the door shut and boarded up the window, then she was going to start prying at the loose boards. She was going to go after every last sliver of light. She reasoned that if he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then she was going to become one of them, one who would put faith and trust in this Jesus. She reasoned and trusted and believed that if she was up against the impossible, then the only place for her to turn was to the God for whom all things are possible. 
And so with the iron grip of faith, she took hold of those slim promises of God that had been left to her. And she grabbed hold of Jesus and said the same thing that Jacob said when he was wrestling with God. I am not going to let you go. No way. Not until you bless me. And this finally is what cracks Jesus. To the point where he exclaims over this woman's faith and compliments her in a way that I don't believe he ever complimented even his closest disciples. Oh woman, he says, great is your faith. Oh woman, here you have proven yourself to be a truer daughter of Israel than many who could claim blood descent. Oh woman, your faith has found its firm and solid grounding in me, the Lord, the merciful son of David. And there is a happy ending here. The woman's daughter is healed instantly, not because this woman earned her way into it, but because this is who our God is. He is the God who knows us and knows our troubles and our burdens and just what is best for us far better than we ever possibly could. Yes, he is the God who sometimes sends you a car repair bill right after you had to pay the plumber for the leaky faucet. He is the God who sometimes sends you an illness while you are still mourning and grieving the loss of your loved one. He is the God who sometimes frighteningly gives the nod to a Job-like round two when you think that you couldn't possibly handle anything more or bear more one more one more thing going wrong in your life. But he is also the God who has assured us that our every sorrow and grief and trouble and burden he has carried and borne on his own broad shoulders. And it's not impossibly difficult to believe that all of our troubles will be relieved and we will be delivered since our Lord Jesus himself, having shouldered our sorrows and griefs, has slammed the door shut on misery and hell and grave forever. My friends, this is the breadcrumb trail that we are following through this season of Lent, and it leads us to the cross where we see the unmistakably bloodied and bruised and battered and dead body of the Son of God, If this is how God treats his son, and if from that great affliction he could wrench the deliverance that all of us need, well then what could he possibly do to us that would not turn out for our great good? In Christ, our God has promised us that no matter how dark and burdened our road is right now. Light and grace and glory still lie ahead. That doesn't mean that our days are going to be easy here, and it doesn't mean that God is always going to take our problems away as quickly as he did for that Canaanite woman. But it does mean that you and I will learn to have the kind of faith that takes hold of the promises God has made to us with an iron grip and will not let them go. 
It means that we will have the kind of faith that reasons that God is able to do all things. And so even if he should take my life away or take away the life of my loved one, still it is well within his power and capability to give our dead back to us. We will have the kind of faith that says, if God is only going to hand out crumbs, then crumbs shall be my feast, and I shall be satisfied to the greatest. We have the kind of faith that, like that Canaanite woman, realizes that by the time we get to our eternal reward, we're going to have bruises to show for it. And you know what? The shocking truth today is that some of those bruises will come from our Lord, our God. But our God has a way of turning those bruises into our strongest points. Using those moments when he makes it so abundantly clear that we have no hope anywhere, not in our own strength, nor in this world, no hope to be found anywhere save for the promises that he has made to us in his word. And those promises are the firm basis for us to take our stand and to endure it all and never to be disappointed. My friends, through this affliction, God works what would otherwise be impossible. And he creates in you and in me the kind of faith over which our Lord Jesus would exclaim, my child, great is your faith. Amen. Please. Good morning once again and welcome to you all. Uh, one announcement today is the good news that our first and second grade teacher, Mr. David Wendlin, has returned his call and will continue his ministry here among us at Our Redeemer. Uh, we're thankful to the Lord of the Church for providing us uh, ministers of the gospel in such a way and look forward to his continued uh, ministry among us. Uh, please take a moment to greet those around you today on your way out and I wish you a blessed rest of your Sunday morning. <laughs>